0: We've got a couple more readings before I get into it. So these are from Genesis three fourteen to 15, and then Matthew 27, 46 to 54. So from Genesis 3. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers, He will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. And from Matthew 27. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lema sabachthani, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing there heard this, they said, He's calling Elijah. Immediately one of them ran and got a sponge. He filled it with wine vinegar, put it on a staff, and offered it to Jesus to drink. The rest said, now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks split, and the tombs broke open. The bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many people. When the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified and exclaimed, Surely he was the Son of God. Well, good morning again. We are having a briefer Christmas service this morning, and the sermon is no exception, so Merry Christmas. Um, but I'm, I'm really excited to share what we have from these passages This morning. If you've been uh, attending Bentley over the last four weeks of our Advent season, um, you'll have followed along with our Advent theme, and the readings that we've had today have reflected these themes. We've looked at the Christmas story and the broader story of Jesus' whole life from a number of different perspectives. We've had Mary and Joseph as the parents, to John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin, who came to prepare the way for Jesus' life and ministry. Yesterday, our theme was the people of God and what it means to be a Christmas person. And throughout all of these readings we've had this morning, we've had an Old Testament passage to go along with the New Testament one, reflecting an ongoing theme of the prophets who foretold Jesus. And then finally today, the theme is Christ himself. And I'm sure you'll have noticed that not all the readings are just from the Christmas story, but Jesus' whole life and even leading up to his crucifixion. This is perhaps not what we're used to in a Christmas service. Usually Christmas readings are all about the birth and we save the events around the crucifixion for Easter, but when we draw all of these together, what we start to see is that all of these things belong to one big story, which has been tracking along the same path from the very beginning. Not just since the beginning of the New Testament, not just since the beginning of Israel's exile and needing to be redeemed, um, not even before that when Moses led them out of slavery in Egypt and eventually they moved on to the promised land and it was unfolding even before God's promise to Abraham that he would be a father of many nations Now, if you aren't familiar with these stories, that's okay. The point I'm making here is that God's big plan for humanity through Jesus was already laid out from the very beginning. And how do we know all that? I'm going to work backwards through the readings that we've had today. I just read from Genesis 3, which is right at the start, Genesis, the first book of the Bible. And our passage picks up just after Adam and Eve have gone and eaten the fruit that they weren't supposed to in the Garden of Eden uh, because they were tricked by the serpent. And God is pronouncing this curse upon that serpent, who we know is Satan in disguise. And the really interesting thing is in verse 15, where God says, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers, and he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. There will be enmity, hostility, a battle between the offspring of the woman, Eve, and the offspring of the serpent. This is talking of a spiritual battle between God's people, God's children, and the forces of evil that would take us away from God. But God also says right at the start when that very first human mistake is ever made, eating that fruit, that the offspring of the woman will crush the head of the serpent and the serpent will strike the heel of that offspring. And what that's referring to is our paired reading from Matthew 27, Jesus' death on the cross, his crucifixion. Jesus' death is that bruise of the heel, but it's only a bruise because we know that Jesus raises again to life three days later. The serpent can't land a final blow. In contrast, the offspring of the woman, which is Jesus, both fully God but also fully human, Being born of an ordinary woman in Mary crushes the head of the serpent. This is a fatal blow. As on the cross, Jesus defeats sin and the effects of sin once and for all, and there's nothing the serpent can do about it. This battle between the children of God and the forces of evil that would take us away from God is now won in Jesus' death and resurrection. And reading back to Genesis 3, right at the very start, God had this plan from the beginning. Sometimes people like to ask the question, what if Adam and Eve had never had that fruit? What if there was never that mistake in the first place? But God made us with free will, with choice and agency, because he loved us. We could never truly make a good choice if we didn't also have the ability to make a poor choice. And God knew we'd make these mistakes from the very start. And so before they'd even eaten that, he had this plan of redemption through Jesus in mind. Moving backwards through our readings, we have Isaiah 9 and Matthew 4, which talks of the people of God who are in distress. These people in the land of Zebulun and Naphtali who are living in darkness, but to whom comes a new light that has dawned. And we get this wonderful prophecy in Isaiah that a child is born, to us a son is given, the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This prophecy is clearly not about any ordinary person. It's blasphemy to someone to, to call themselves God. And in fact, when Jesus equated himself to God during his life and his ministry, that's what people said, that he's blaspheming. But such a prophecy could never be referring to any ordinary ordinary person, I mean to be an everlasting father, a prince of peace and a mighty God, that can only be referring to Jesus. So when in Matthew Jesus starts preaching, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near, what he's saying is that the light of dawn is now breaking through and all of these people who have been living in distress, no longer have to live in that darkness because this kingdom of light, The kingdom of heaven is now drawing closer, and they can be a part of it. Moving on to the second set of readings, we come to Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist. Now, John was older than Jesus by about six months. Uh, I remember when I was growing up, I was quite fortunate to have a lot of cousins on both sides of the family, and even more fortunate that we got to catch up together a lot, even though a lot of us were interstate. And I remember there was always a bit of a power dynamic between the cousins. Um, you always felt like you knew more and you're a little bit better, and you could definitely boss around all of the cousins that were younger than you. Um, I wonder how long that lasted for John. Jesus would be a tough cousin to live up to, even if he was younger. But John, too, is special. He's foretold in the book of Isaiah, and he himself is something of a miracle. We're told his parents were unable to conceive their whole life and they'd become too old to uh, naturally by the time he was born anyway. But God allows his parents to, to conceive and have him, even in old age, to prepare the way for Jesus. And John preaches the same message as Jesus. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And we see the different threads of this story coming together to tell one big story. John is telling the people the light of dawn is coming again to pierce the darkness. The kingdom of heaven is coming near and you can be a part of it. He will be here soon. And while I can baptize you with water, the one that's coming will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Often we use a baptism of fire to refer to something that's overwhelming or scary or or a pretty bad thing. But this fire that Jesus baptizes with is that redemption and freedom from sin that Jesus performs for us on the cross. It is a refining and cleansing fire, like removing impurities from metal to make it strong and pure. Jesus doesn't want to burn us. He wants to give us the Holy Spirit and the fire to burn away those things that aren't good for us, to refine us, so that we can be pure and refined for his kingdom that's coming near. And finally, we come back to the first reading. Uh, Again, it's a passage from Isaiah prophesying the virgin birth. And we have the passage from Matthew that shows how both Mary and Joseph have their part to play in bringing this baby into the world. Uh, And this is the most Christmassy reading this morning. Uh, They're told they'll have a son, They're going to call him Jesus because he's going to save people from their sins. He'll also be called Emmanuel because he is God with us. He is God with us. But the thing that strikes me most is this. This big story from the very beginning of this incredible and glorious figure of Jesus, who is the saviour and the prince of peace and the mighty God who is so important that there needs to be a miracle birth in John just to come before him to prepare the way from him, this wondrous, glorious figure. This big story of redemption for all humanity at one point in time comes down to an ordinary girl called Mary, an ordinary girl who sinned, who had fears, doubts, And joys of her own. There are some Christian traditions that uh, find this a problem and they say, How can Mary, if she was ordinary and sinned, how could she give birth to the sinless one? And so they have said that while Mary was human herself, she must have lived a sinless life. But I think this actually cheapens what's going on here. It is so significant that an ordinary sinner was the one that would bear. Jesus into this world because when God chose to enact and fulfill the biggest and most important plan in history he chose to do it through an ordinary girl in an unremarkable town in a manger because there wasn't even a proper room for her to stay in. In God's big plan for the kingdom of heaven he chooses to enact it through normal average people like you and me. I really encourage you to go and ponder these passages and others and and look at these links make them in your mind about how this really is all one big story and one big plan that God has made for us and as we come to celebrate the birth of Jesus today this is what we celebrate that through ordinary people God does extraordinary things and that. The hope that we find in Jesus' birth today as we celebrate it at Christmas is the hope in that big plan that God has for all of humanity and for each of us as individuals. If you have come here today and you haven't made that decision before that you would like to be a part of this big story with Jesus, uh, please come and talk to myself or Alex after the service. We'd Love to chat with you about what it would look like to join in that big story. And you can always contact us online through our website or fill out a contact form with the QR code on the back of the seats. But I'm going to invite the band to come back up now. And as they do, I'm going to pray for us. Lord, we thank you for what we get to celebrate today at Christmas, the birth of Jesus, the most wondrous and glorious figure that came to this world in the most unremarkable and ordinary of circumstances. We thank you that this is just part of one big plan and one big story that you have laid out from the beginning so that each of us can be free, free from sin, free from the things that hold us back from you and free to live a full life in your light and in your kingdom of heaven that even now is drawing near and present with us today. Amen.